Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. We are so excited uh, to be with the Jubilee uh, family. My wife and I have come uh, many times, but we've never gotten to bring our kids. And so we are here as a family for the first time. We were supposed to come as a family in uh, 2020, but yeah, I, I don't care what uh, state you're from. Uh, this last year has been uh, brutal, and I have spent much of the year uh, daydreaming about leaving California. And so put my family uh, in a motorhome and made my way to Missouri, and we're very excited to be here, here where gas is $2.50 a gallon. Um, I also spent much of the year looking for language, because language is such a cool way to uh, connect. I found myself looking for language or, or ways to describe, I guess, some of the groans um, that we were all having and experiencing and sensing uh, this last year. I spent the first half of 2020 uh, saying that everything was unprecedented. Um, maybe, maybe you used that word or overused that word as well. Um, but I, I found in the second half of the year last year that there was precedent for some of the things that I was describing as unprecedented, or at least there was precedent for things being unprecedented, if, if that makes any sense. So I want to uh, speak today on the wilderness. And, and specifically, I'm calling this sermon a God-appointed wilderness, because I know that there's a, a wilderness in life that is your own dumb doing. Uh, but I, I actually want to talk about what God uh, wants to do in the wilderness. I am, of course, suggesting that we have been in something of a wilderness, that we are in something of a wilderness. And I want to turn your attention away from what's going on maybe around you um, and turn your attention to what God might be wanting to do in all of this. So I'm hoping that in talking about the wilderness and the way the wilderness is described in Scripture, I'm hoping to do a few things. I'm hoping to give language to what we're feeling and experiencing so that we can build bridges and connect. I'm, I'm also hoping that we discover that there's precedent for what feels so unprecedented to many of us. And I also want to make sure that we're uh, living into the right story. So we'll be reading from the book of Exodus this morning. And uh, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, and it tells the story of the Israelites being led out of slavery. They were in captivity in Egypt, and they are delivered 
through uh, these miraculous kind of plagues, these signs and wonders. And that's where, if you remember, the, the Red Sea is parted and they, they, they make their escape. They, they, they get led out of Egypt. But that's only the first half of the book. The second half of the book focuses on getting Egypt out of the people. So the first half is let's get the people out of Egypt. The second half is let's get Egypt out of these people. They have old ways that need to go. They've got old patterns that need to be broken. But one thing I want you to know is that the the Exodus story is our story as the people of God. And it's really important, the story that you're living into. Um, What happened in the wilderness to the Israelites is a pattern for what we should expect. Not just something the Israelites did, but something that will happen to us. It wasn't just that they wandered the desert. We will wander, and we will experience many of the things that they experienced. This didn't just happen to them. It will happen to us. It's our story. And the story goes a little something like this. The people of God actually initially pursued safety in Egypt. That place of security then became a place of captivity. Or I heard it once said that the womb becomes a tomb if you stay there too long. Then they're delivered by God's mighty hand, but they aren't delivered right into the promised land. They're delivered into a time of wandering in the wilderness. And then they finally inherit the promised land. Now, uh, if I had a mic and if we were together, I could easily start passing the mic around and you could tell a similar story about how you pursued what you thought was safety, what you thought would bring you security, and that that didn't bring security. It actually brought captivity. And then God stepped in and delivered you, but he didn't deliver you right into the promised land. There's been a long process that's gone on since then, and you're believing to finally inherit the promised land. It's Again, it's not just their story. It's all our story. And if 2020 taught us anything, it taught us that it's, it's really important, the stories that we tell. Story trumps science any day. Story eats science for lunch. No, 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 no. I'm a science guy. No, 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 no. You're a story guy who's looking for science to support his story. And it's real important that we're living into the right story, that we're telling uh, the right uh, story. And so I want to uh, lean into this because these stories are, 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 are what we've discovered more important than data or the facts. If you remember, Jesus actually has 40 days in the wilderness and he's being tempted and there's all kinds of things uh, going on there. But what story is Jesus living into during that time in the wilderness? It's the Exodus story. He knows exactly what story he's in when he's in the wilderness. So 
to begin our study, um, I just want to say I'll use the word wilderness and desert uh, interchangeably because they're used uh, that way in Scripture. In fact, wilderness, desert, deserted place, desolate place, solitary place, quiet place, lonely place, all describe the same place. And so obviously we're using analogy. Obviously we're using uh, metaphor uh, here. You're not actually uh, physically in a, in a wilderness. So how would one know? Or maybe you're thinking, why, Travis, do you think we're in something of a wilderness? Here, here's some things, here's some reasons that I believe that we're in a wilderness. And, and again, hopefully this is a God-appointed wilderness. I think, it, I think it can be both a God-appointed wilderness and a wilderness of your own uh, dumb doing. It can be both of those things at the same time. But again, I'm, I'm mostly focused on what God wants to do uh, during this time. So here's a few reasons that I think we're in something of a wilderness. The wilderness in Scripture is a place of education. It's a place of discovery. Lessons are taught. Lessons are given. It's a place of insight. It's a place of revelation. And it's a place of, of testing. And obviously, you know that tests can yield different results, some less than flattering. Sometimes we're tested and it exposes gaps in our understanding. And the idea here is that nothing can be trusted unless it's tested. And many things, uh, including people, are tested uh, in the wilderness. But the hope is that the people of God emerge from the wilderness with clarity and emerge uh, with power, um, even as gaps in their understanding uh, are exposed. I believe that the education happens because the conditions are extreme in the wilderness. The pain that we experience, the pressure, it is the thing that produces the lessons and the clarity. And there are things that can only be learned, things that can only be added to our lives uh, through pain. It's a great teacher. We treat pain like a, a substitute teacher, like where, where's the real teacher? But pain is an incredible tutor and can show us uh, many things. And that's what this year has been in the process of pain. Many things have been revealed. Most of those things uh, less than flattering. But we, we receive quite the education when we're uh, in pain. Let me put it this way. Um, if this preach goes really well, which it's... it's it's feeling, it's feeling pretty good so far. I don't know if the media team would agree with me, but if it goes really well, I'll learn nothing. In fact, if it goes really well, the only thing I'll learn is how to forget God. But if it goes poorly, and I go back experiencing the regret, some of the pain that comes with regret, well, then a full-blown excavation takes place. What did I have for breakfast? What was, what was going on? What was my motive when I said yes to speak at uh, Jubilee? I wonder what was 
happening. Uh, I wonder if I'm called to be a pastor at all. Who is God? I mean, it can just send you uh, to do a, a, a deep dive, and, th- and that happens as a result of, of pain. The wilderness seems to be a mandatory field trip for the people of God, and there is an education that happens there, and there's been an education happening this year. It's one of the reasons I believe we're, we're in the wilderness. The other thing we see in Scripture is that the wilderness is a paradox, and I can't think of a better way to describe this last year than to use the word paradox. On one hand, the wilderness in Scripture is presented as a place of danger, a place of exposure, a place where we're subjected to the elements. Uh, It's a place of temptation, a place of rebellion, a place of difficulty, a place of trial, a place of, like I said, testing, of of lack. That's, That's one way that the desert is presented. And then on the other hand, it's presented as, as God's country. You know, they were in Pharaoh's land and they were given a promised land, but between Pharaoh's land and the promised land was, was God's land. And, and that was the wilderness. So um, it's, it's a place of, of miraculously encountering God. It has this kind of, make or break you uh, vibe. And again, it is, it's a great way to understand this last year, to understand it as a paradox, as something that defies category, as something that is all the things. I mean, how are you doing is actually like a, a real question again for us. And I, I don't know how to answer the question, how that I'm doing. I just think, yeah, all the things. I I have like, I've never been so close to my kids on on one hand. I've never been so close to killing my kids on the other hand. That's in the same, that's in the same day. And even if this has been a good year for your family, you know other families uh, that have been struggling. Even if this has been a good year for your business, you know that other businesses are no longer in business. Even if this has been a good year for one of your kids, you know that other kids are in, in your own family are, are struggling with this year. So it's so hard to make sense of this season because it is such a mix. It's such a paradox. The best of times, the worst of times. Well, that's the wilderness in scripture. Another reason that I believe we're in something of a wilderness is that the wilderness is disorienting. Um, you may be in a wilderness uh, if you feel disoriented is, is, I guess, the way I would put it. There are no markers. There's nothing familiar for the people of God. So this pattern emerges in Scripture of location, dislocation, relocation, or orientation, disorientation, reorientation. And I wish that my sermon here today was, you know, three easy steps to move from location to relocation without disorientation. 
but it plays a vital role in the process. I guess, I guess what I'm saying to you is I wish that we could get to the re-words without going through the, the D-words. I wish we could have a revival without you devivaling um, along the way. So the Israelites, the way this looks for them is, is, again, they go from orientation in Egypt. Again, this place of, of safety becomes a place of captivity. And then God delivers them, but not straight into a new orientation. There is this time, this period in the wilderness that, that is disorienting, right? Um, when I think of the desert, when I think of the wilderness, I think of being able to see uh, 30, 40 miles in, in every direction. And, and that's, that's actually not what the wilderness or the desert was for the people of God. That's actually, that's Kansas. I just drove through Kansas. That's 30, 40 miles uh, in, in every direction. And that's what they had in Egypt. That's what they had in Goshen. They could see for 30, 40 miles. They could see what was on the horizon. But then they were led into the wilderness. It was, actually, it was actually a rocky hill country. They ended up disoriented because they had no perspective. They couldn't see off into the distance. And I know for many of us, some of the, some of the, the worst part of this last year has been that we can't seem to see. There's no familiar markers. There's no perspective. There's no sense of where we're at. We feel surrounded and we feel disoriented. And so you might be in a wilderness if you, if you felt that this last year. And lastly, um, the, the wilderness is a place that's uh, full of temptation. And again, this is a great way to describe the last year or so that we've been in. It's just been full of temptation. And if you're a part of the recovery community, you know this better than the rest of us. But there are some times where you go looking for temptation and there are times where temptation comes looking for you. There are times where you can go out and, and you're looking for trouble, but there's other times where you're minding your own business and trouble comes looking for you. And in the wilderness, temptation comes looking for you. It's a place of temptation. And I, I think the reason that is, is because really there's nothing appealing about the wilderness to our senses. It doesn't look good, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't taste good. And so options that do look good, feel good, taste good, come looking for you. They emerge. One of the guys in our church that I so appreciate, um, he's uh, fairly prophetic. He, he came to me uh, in the midst of 2020 and he said, I just, I just sense that God's saying that love's not easily provoked. And the picture he had in his mind is of an offensive line as staying put um, while the quarterback barks a snap count, but they, they can't go prematurely. That's a false start. But the offensive line has to stay put while the defense is moving and, you know, looking to pounce. And, uh, man, it felt so difficult to stay put and to not jump off sides, to not be provoked. And this year was full of a temptation to be provoked, to be drawn off sides, to be drawn into offense. This year was uh, full of it. So I'm suggesting that we're in something of a wilderness. 
I think then I started, as I found language for what I was kind of grappling with, I started to think, why? Why does God want the desert? We're all running away from it. Why would God want to lead us into it? What's the point of a God-appointed wilderness? I'm a horrible speller, terrible uh, speller. Uh, but there's one word that I, I never misspell, and um, it's desert or <laughs> dessert. Because I was taught at a young age that you put two S's in dessert because you would want seconds. And you don't want seconds of the desert. So I never misspell those words because I know enough to know I don't want more of the desert, but I do want more of dessert. So, so what is it that's appealing to God? Why would he want the desert uh, for his people? What makes it desirable? And I'm, I'm only 41, so I, I've not walked the road that you've walked. I've not faced some of the challenges or the difficulties that you've uh, faced. So please hear me humbly submit to you uh, three reasons that I believe God uh, uses uh, the desert. Um, the first is that it's a place of, of preparation. If you want to turn with me to Exodus 13, you can. What God wants in the wilderness is to prepare us. God readies his people in the wandering. Exodus 13, 17 says, when, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God didn't lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. They probably thought that they were ready for a fight. They probably thought they were ready for the battle. They probably thought they were ready for the promised land. And God knew that if they saw some of the opposition that they were going to see, um, that they would be tempted uh, to quit. So he leads them in an indirect way in order to uh, prepare them. And here's the idea. The people of God, they're not led the most direct route. Uh, they're not promised the easiest way. They're not promised the shortest way but they, they are promised to be led God's way. And it's God's way that prepares them. There, there's a number of like notable grads from, from Wilderness U. Um, King David is one of them. And of course, it's in the wilderness that God prepares him to face Goliath. And it wasn't just that he was prepared because he learned how to use a, a sling. That's not it. What David got in the wilderness is an understanding of God's character that's like unparalleled in the Old Testament. He got that revelation in the wilderness. It's John the Baptist who uh, emerges from the wilderness with the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He got that revelation. He got that clarity in the wilderness. And of course, it's Jesus that returns from the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's something that's prepared in us when we're in the wilderness. There's something that God does in the wandering. Again, not the shortest way, the most direct way, or the easiest way, but God 
has his way in the wilderness. The second thing is that in the desert, we learn that God's the one who fights for us. Pharaoh uh, let the people go. And then he has this change of heart and he goes to get what he just let go. And the Israelites were camped along the Red Sea. They're vulnerable, they're trapped, they're stuck with, with nowhere to go. And, and the world's like um, most powerful army is, is bearing down on them because Pharaoh rides out to, to get them. Read about it with me in Exodus 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and then there were the Egyptians marching after them with the, the world's most advanced technology. You know what that was? No, it's not the drone. It was the chariot. The chariot is bearing down on them. And they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. You'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. In the wilderness, we learn that God's the one who fights for us. They were delivered that day, not by being soldiers. They were delivered that day by being spectators. And sometimes we fight by trusting God. Have you, have you ever tried to be uh, still? It, it, like simple in theory, really difficult in application. Have you ever tried to be delivered by being a spectator and, and not by being a soldier? That, that trusting God thing can, can actually be uh, pretty tough. When old enemies pursue us and we have nothing left to muster, when we don't have what it takes and we don't have the strength, the Lord will uh, fight for us. And it's a lesson that we learn in the wilderness. Be still, be silent, keep your mouth shut, trust God, stand. Again, really simple in theory, pretty difficult uh, to do, but an important lesson to learn. Here's Spurgeon. I dare say you will think it a very easy thing to stand still, but it's one of the postures which a, which a Christian soldier learns, not without years of teaching. I find that marching and quick marching are much easier to God's warriors than standing still. The apostle seems to hint at this difficulty when he says, stand fast and having done all, still stand. To stand at ease in the midst of tribulation shows a veteran spirit, long experience and much grace. In success, again, in success, we tend to share the glory. Uh, look what we did, right? But in the wilderness, we emerge saying to God, be the glory. Glory to God alone. He delivered us. He fought for us. He rescued us. Lastly, we learn to trust in divine purpose and specifically that God is at work in the bitter things. Exodus 15, one more chapter. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur and they went 
three days in the wilderness, they found no water and they, they came to Marah and they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he, and he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. Now we read the, the whole Bible with Jesus in mind. And as we come to this story, we see this log, uh, we see this tree, we see this piece of wood thrown into the bitter water and the bitter water becomes sweet. And we believe this is a picture of the cross, that when the cross of Christ is applied, when the cross of Christ is thrown into even what we see as bitter, even those uh, bitter things can become uh, sweet. The cross teaches us to trust in God's divine uh, purposes, even in, in a difficult time, right? The cross teaches us that this uh, Roman torture device can ultimately turn out for our good and for God's glory. It's when we look to the cross that we, re we realize that a God who seems silent is actually working and speaking. When we look to the cross, we see a God who seems defeated actually come out victorious. And so we trust God's divine purpose even when we can't see what he's up to. And we believe that even the bitter things can become uh, sweet because of the work of Jesus and the cross being applied. Exodus 16, the next chapter, they set out from Elam. All the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel, again, grumbling against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and we, were, and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, they were, they, uh, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather uh, daily. We, tr we learn to trust in the wilderness, the promises of God. And what I want to say about the promises of God to, con to conclude is, is often the promises of God are, are just enough. I know that that's tough because a lot of the people who talk about the promises of God, you know, fly in Lear jets and preach in a certain kind of uh, sneaker. But the promises of God are actually often just enough. Now, I know that there are promises of hundred uh, fold, but we learn in the desert that the promises of God are enough to keep us, even when our old way of life looks appealing. Here the Israelites are like going on and on about the meat pots. They're failing to mention that their backs were laid open, that they experienced 400 years of slavery. They're just thinking about the, the meat pots. And the, the promises of God are enough to sustain us even when our old way of life looks appealing. I don't know how many times this has happened for me, and I'm sure it's happened for you as well, where uh, my wife and I will get a check that we weren't expecting or um, you know, we'll, something will be 
uh, returned to us. And, and I'll think to myself, finally, we're going to get ahead. Finally, we'll have a, a nest egg. And then sure enough, in that day, you know, that one of the kids goes to the dentist or we're driving and something happens on the vehicle. And then, you know, someone says to us or my wife and I will say to one another, well, isn't it cool that that money came in? Isn't it great that that came our way? And I was thinking, I did not want that to go to that. I wanted it to go into a war chest. I wanted it to go into a nest egg. I, I wanted to live from that. Again, the only thing we learn when we succeed at things is how to forget God. I don't want to be dependent. I don't want daily bread. I want a loaf of bread. I want it sliced. I want to pull from a bread pantry. I don't want to be dependent in this way. And it's in the wilderness that we learn to be dependent on divine purpose and God's promise in new ways. Often we want God to turn down the heat, to turn down the temperature, and what he provides for us in the desert is a place of shade. He refreshes us with his purpose and with his promise. So we're going to head back into worship um, together, but I really, I really want to ask this question because I want you to own what God's doing. Again, maybe let go of what's going on around you. I know there's a lot going on around you. But would you tune into what God's up to in this wilderness? Would you ask the question, God, what are you wanting to prepare in me? Are you preparing me for something? Would you ask the question as we go back, Lord, am I, am I learning? Am I learning this lesson that you will fight for us? Am I learning to be still? Come before God and remember that he's made a way even for the bitter things to become sweet and just trust in his divine purpose during uh, this time. His promises are enough to sustain us even when our old way of life looks tempting. What's he doing in your life? What's he up to in the wilderness? What's happening? What's he preparing? What's he teaching you? How are you becoming dependent upon him in fresh ways? Let's not waste this wandering. Let's let this pain produce something significant in us. Mm -hmm.